0: I want to welcome you back to another episode of what i branded Pivotal since these interview style segments tackle impactful CPG industry topics and lessons from the business leaders that live it every day. As another quarter recently ended within the functional CPG space, it seemed only right that I asked my good friend and market insights director at SPIN, Scott Dicker, to join me again for another one of our legendary holistic categorical deep dive sessions. Since this is our fourth quarterly installment of the Josh and Scott Show, we decided to kick it up a notch with a triple feature of key trending categories. In our conversation, we cover everything from the Olipop effect impacting gut health supplements to why multifunctional gut health formulations are picking up momentum. Additionally, we explain how huge opportunities will come to a handful of the most popular functional mushrooms as mainstreaming starts to bring them out of the natural channel. Moreover, we explore how there's a growing duality of market positionings happening within the cognitive health category. And this is just a snippet of the fascinating gut health functional mushrooms and cognitive health categorical topics we explored in this episode. But before I share that, I'd like to quickly show some love to the supporter of this content. Over the past 20 years, Cognizant has emerged as a leading force in the world of cognitive health with that c4 smart energy beverage cooler kind of photobombing me in every youtube video it's hard for me to hide my love for the brain energy ingredient cognizant also if you are particularly interested in cognitive health make sure to check out my recent pivotal episode with the president and ceo of kiwahako usa gerard adams because it provides you with additional layers of categorical insights from a market-leading branded ingredient manufacturer. But without further delay, here is the recent conversation I had with Market Insights Director at Spins, Scott Dicker. So at this point, I think Scott and I, if we were using UFC terminology, I don't know if you are a fan of the UFC, but we would be entering the championship rounds. <laughs> but uh, I think our audience like continues to enjoy these insights driven conversations between us and who are we like we said gap fillers to uh, deny them of that right so scott uh, welcome back again i think this is uh this is round four
1: thank you so much josh always a pleasure i am a big ufc fan um so i get the i get the reference and we're we're built to go the distance so let's uh <laughs> let's get rolling
0: i i should have probably used my uh bruce buffer uh or or those guys' uh announcer kind of when i was giving you the 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 mic so scott had made a pretty good suggestion i think i i said hey let's just tackle one topic and you said you know what we're better than that let's kick this up a notch let's go with three topics which in a way i think kind of are a good segue or kind of interconnected a little bit together. They also are, are unique in their own senses and we'll kind of tackle each one of them. But I think we'll kind of start with gut health. I think that, you know, if we're looking at this just through like the digestive lens and that's really one dimensional, but now I think gut health has really moved into this more holistic approach to the category. Like how is gut unlocking other aspects of it? But from your guys's, I don't know if you put any data or anything like, you know, Maybe on the supplement side, the last numbers that maybe I looked up were I think the pre and probiotics were, were almost flat um, year over year. I think fiber supplements were were up at a decent clip. But overall, I think the category was very similar to probably other ones, is that you had pricing up, but volume was was slightly down, which was giving the category like a slightly up overall kind of trend line. Is that is that kind of what you're seeing?
1: We, we've seen it tick up, uh, so both for, for gut health supplements as well as uh, functional food and beverage, and then a uh, change to what, what we've been seeing since I think the last time we saw it, spoke is a big uptick on Amazon, um, so, so we saw, you know, a lot of the growth is coming back to Amazon, and gut health is, is something that does particularly well there, and so people are very interested in this gut health. You know, we've been talking about it for a while, but this, this rise in these other functionalities, uh, you know, beyond just like energy for both food, and beverage and some of these supplements has really, you know, just maintained all these new customers since the pandemic brought them in. And so they're getting curious at more and more, uh, categories, uh, gut health is one that, that seems to be sticking. And so you see this, uh, and we'll get into all of them, but both in supplements and functional beverage. One of the ones I really like to watch is kind of this rise in these, this gut health uh, beverage, you know, the mm. soda space. Uh, so kind of finding a way to make uh, soda, not a junk food category. Uh, so we've seen that with some brands putting, you know, prebiotics in there, other fibers. And this kind of reminds me, I think you'll appreciate this. It's kind of what Lenny and Larry's did for cookies. Yeah. Uh, you know, you take a, a category like cookies that it was a junk food category, you add protein in it, suddenly it's a health food. Uh, so for, for soda, everyone thinks of it as a junk food category, but now you add in prebiotics, probiotics, uh, other gut health, microbiome ingredients, uh, benefit ingredients. I didn't just try to throw out all the buzzwords there. Um, but, and now it's a health, health category. Uh, so it's really exciting to see.
0: Yeah. I think two points that you kind of brought up that, that sparked some thoughts in my mind, because I do think. If we look category wide, and and really a lot of times we're looking at if it's health condition specific, or really, I honestly think any kind of functional, like intent driven purchase, typically you're looking at that and saying, how am I going to solve this particular problem? Or how am I going to, you know, arguably get better at at certain things? Um, But when you have other maybe options, for solving that problem maybe you're more willing to buy or purchase things that are typically you know more relatable to you so when we do talk about those like gut friendly sodas some people might be utilizing those in exchange for their typical probiotics if they are maybe even just starting out in the category to them that might be the the launch point or or something for getting into maybe more of the gut health advanced products or or looking at some of that which kind of also brings up the point you said around Amazon being also extremely kind of important now in this growth phase. And and it brings me back into this idea that if I wasn't who I was, you know, and I didn't have the information I had about certain categories and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just regular Josh walking in the store of like Walmart or CVS or something. And, you know, my doctor said, Hey, you got to have probiotics and okay, good. So you go in there and you see these kind of crazy names that you like, you can't pronounce. And you have all these like high numbers of CFU counts in there. And you have all these kind of maybe claims they are making off of that. And you're trying to understand like, what the heck's going on. And in that, I guess, shopping environment, you typically maybe are trying to make a quicker purchase, or maybe you're you're not at the point where you want to like dive deep into all the information. So maybe it's not the best uh, place for maybe a lot of those new consumers getting into the category being interested in purchasing, or maybe even just continuing their purchasing or, or progressing in their um, ideas of how they want to kind of utilize some of these products, and then in obviously Amazon, you have the information superhighway, both on platform, off platform. You can kind of look at all kinds of different you know mechanisms and ideas, and oh, let's look up what these words mean, and you know you start to maybe drill down into exactly what you need, and maybe that's a better space to do that because you're more comfortable in your home and and all those different things.
1: It's it's interesting because. There's there's a few ways to look at it. Um, I agree. You know, it's a good entry point. Uh, I think price point is another barrier for people to enter enter the probiotic uh, pill supplement uh, type of market. And so, grabbing a you know a, a soda uh, off the shelf is an introduction there. I also think that what you're seeing is the people who are already using probiotics. This is a way that like they can supplement their supplements almost. Yeah, Where it's like, yeah. all right, today I, I had my probiotic soda because I, I feel like this as we see more and more functional ingredients moving from the supplement space into the beverage space, it's hard to like how many how many functional beverages can we have in a day in a day? Yeah, uh, like are you gonna have your energy drink, your probiotic drink, your relaxation drink? Uh, you know, you might be looking at like twelve, thirteen dollars a day just for kind of these beverages. Uh, so I think what you're also going to be seeing is people who are in the category, they'll use this as like a part of their routine. Like if I'm going to have this today, I don't need to take my, my probiotic pills or whatnot. Um, so it'll be kind of part of the routine where like the functional ingredients. And I think about this, we're going to get into mushrooms, I think in a little bit, but like when, when we see bars or, or different types of food have mushrooms in there, I don't think that's like a relatable way to always get your mushrooms uh, by having this functional food every day, um, but it's part of the routine and people are just kind of fitting in the convenience factor uh, with the price factor. And it, it's a variety of things that will allow them to, to get these functional ingredients. And one more point, Josh, I'd love to make before I, I get your thoughts on it is when we talk about gut health, we're, we're linking it to so many other things now uh, so, people who are interested in brain health, or skin health, uh, or immune function, we're seeing products that used to only be positioned as as gut health for digestive issues, um, also being marketed for these other areas, which opens up the consumer base for these products even further.
0: Yeah, it it gets into like the, you know, first order, second, like, which items are you picking up for what? I guess intense, and then you know, because there's you know, multifunctional approaches to it, you're getting a little bit of each, and, and maybe you're taking multiple products and covering your yourself in in different ways. It's it's interesting, and it moves into like when you and I are dealing with, you know, uh, maybe people asking us around categorical definitions, or hey, what's the growth rate here? What's this kind of thing? And it's and a lot of times it's very hard to kind of drill that down into. Okay, this is a centrally this product, or this is centrally this category, because I don't necessarily think that's the case anymore. It's usually very much like contextually driven over, over, you know, kind of these categorical driven uh, approaches. When people are, are looking for this, they're trying again, to solve certain problems or multiple problems at once. And they see a product that, that says they're going to be able to address some of these different needs. Then they go, okay, great. I like this. This is something that is going to simplify my life and improve my life. And I, and I enjoy that. Um, Wanted to ask you a question though, around if you guys are seeing anything from like a gender specific, um, like from the gut and digestive health, because I've seen a number of maybe, you know, consumer surveys and, and there's also that, you know, anecdotal kind of thought of my mind of of saying that females feel like this category is more owned by them. Um, also I think that they're, they're typically seems to be more female specific like digestive health, gut health products, comparably to like male focused ones. And maybe there are some like that you would consider these like male type sports nutrition brands that maybe come out with a product or two like that. They just naturally probably are are, are considered a, you know, I guess a male uh, specific one, even though I don't know if there's ingredients that, that, that decipher one uh, over the other. But I do think I've seen more specific, like female focused brands, definitely champion or create you know, key products within gut health.
1: That point is, I think, goes beyond gut health. We're seeing many more female positioned products. Uh, a lot of them are for female specific issues uh, that we're seeing a huge increase in. Uh, but gut health, you know, is a. Is an area where you know being positioned for for females is is showing growth, and to your point, you know a lot of those we usually don't have in in this segment like a male version. Um, it's usually like the the non-specific uh, version or the female version, which I think is an interesting an interesting take on its own. Uh, but we but but you do see you know a lot more of these female-specific issues. Uh, gut health being, being driven one. Uh, and, and it, it is a category that, that seems to resonate with them. I don't have like the specific panel data to, to show exactly why that is. Um, but uh, especially when, with regards to supplements uh, and, and more and more lines are coming out designed for females specifically, uh, which is nice. And I don't know how much of a tangent we want to get into, but you know, like a lot of the research is done mostly on men. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, so when there's brands that are coming out as, female brands. I think it's more approachable for, for a lot of people. Uh, but definitely, uh, you know, there, there's a home for these types of products. I don't know how, how different they are from, from the regular one uh, without without diving deeper into the label. I imagine they're not very different, uh, uh, but uh, it's the same thing that we see with like kids' products. They put kids on the label, so it, it makes people a little more comfortable purchasing it. Uh, but what I'd love to get your take on is we look at the beverages. We talked on soda. What, what are the other functional beverages, like fermented beverages, you know, that, that you think are going to be, play a role as we go into next year? Uh, I'll start you off. My, my opinion has been for the next kombucha, which everyone's been looking for for the past few years, I think it's going to be kombucha, actually. So I think that we are going to see kind of a reimagining of kombucha more similar to what's being seen in Europe right now, where they are shelf-stable. A uh, price point similar to a soda, like a like a premium soda, and have a lighter flavor. And I think this will position it more of us as a soda alternative rather than a seven six seven dollar premium functional beverage. And I think that's what could give kind of the fermented beverage space that next wave of innovation and growth. But would love open to some new ideas from you.
0: Yeah, I mean, now that you're mentioning that, it, it honestly makes a lot of sense. And and I don't know if I have a better answer than that. Because I was thinking, the, you know, we can call it the olipop, or, you know, I guess the second uh, brand of of poppy, like that effect, um, naturally will, I guess, have a little bit of a gravitational pull to it. And as you're stating, you know, in Europe, and, and things like they're positioning it, that's probably more similar in that range, where it becomes a purchase decision, that's a lot less I want to say cumbersome, but like definitely something that's less um, scary. Uh, because I would say that if you are not too well versed in kombucha, and you see one, like you said, price points, and then two, you try it and it maybe tastes not anywhere what you thought it was going to taste like because you're used to drinking diet you know soda. You probably are getting you know turned off, and and there's always that you know stop and start that ends up happening in kombucha. I mean, I feel like it's been the trend for a while, and then it never really. You know, gets to that point where it's fully mainstream, even though, you know, I say in our household, I think we we purchase more of it than we've we've ever had this year. Um, but I think if we're looking at you know middle America or mainstream America, it's probably going to be more approachable or more towards that end of the you know functional soda esque things, and maybe they'll be able to kind of draft off of that, make a little bit more of a functional approach to it, but still be taste forward or at least. Um, You know, Tate have some parity to it that uh, is much better than what you would expect out of kombucha. But that category as a whole, especially on the beverage side, is is kind of unique. Um, I think on the food side, you probably have a lot more variants or maybe a lot more um, products that seem to be catching on. There's a brand this is probably showing my bias of, of being a Northeast Ohioan, but, um, Cleveland kitchen, um, there's, they, they have a really good line of, of a bunch of like uh, sauerkrauts and kimchi and pickles and, and things like that, which I think is right in line with where I think the approachability of that fermented foods is. But I feel like that seems to be a pretty good entry point on the, on the food side, if we're not getting into like the idea of like, you know, sweet snacks or, you know, how do we add, you know some of those ingredients in there that make them a little bit more gut friendly. I think if we're looking at it just as products and fermented food side of it. That's kind of where my brain goes at least initially.
1: Fermented foods definitely, you know, are are having a moment. I think this overall rise in global flavors that we've seen have helped uh, have helped uh, significantly. People are a little more adventurous in trying these foods, and you know, all over the world, like different fermented foods are more of a, a mainstay than they are in the typical American diet. Uh, so it's interesting to see the fermented foods. And I'm also looking to, you know, I've, I've been to a few gut health uh, sessions or conferences this year, and the research on is starting to be really impressive uh, for what's going on. I'm kind of waiting for that next step on it to be like the action items, like, you know, these these strains, I don't know how many people are lining up for their fecal transplants yet um, for the gut health, but there's a lot of research that's being done. I think uh, I pulled for one of my presentations, there was a stat that I think 75% of the research around gut health, of the studies around gut health was on non-GI issues. Hmm. So as more and more research becomes clear around that area, there's going to be a lot of innovation, um, and that is the opportunity for things like probiotics prebiotics, postbiotics, to really uh, have a a new wave, like a boom in the market. I think once there's a little more clarity around how things can help out.
0: Yeah, that shift from I think, reactive or triage type of a a situation where you're having some digestive problem into this idea of like, you know, advancing or or creating some positive kind of aspect to it. Um, I feel like, again, there's a lot of things that probably need to line up, but I do like that being the next probably leg of, of growth. But um, mm-hmm. let's shift on to the next one. And I don't know if you if you were um, thinking about this when you, when you put them in the order you put them into, but uh, mushrooms to me is a good bridge between the two that we're going to talk about, what we just talked about, what we're going to talk about, because I think obviously depending on which functional mushroom we talk about, I think they have benefits on both sides of this. And, and just to kind of give up the what's next, because uh, arguably you've already looked at the thumbnail. It's probably in the uh, description of the video and everything. So we also are going to talk about uh, cognitive health as well. So I think mushrooms is that good in between both digestive health and then like cognitive health.
1: Yeah, mushrooms are have really made it right. We're seeing them in supplements and powders and food beverage. Uh, so there, but there's a lot to there's still a lot to learn on them. You know, at, at Expo East, for example, mushrooms were everywhere. Uh, you know, we had the big keynote at the supplement symposium, uh, you know, on mushrooms, and it's we're really scratching the surface on them. Uh, but so many beverages are, are, are pumping them in there now. Uh, we're seeing functional foods bringing mushrooms in. I don't think the uh, co- the consumer base quite understands them yet. Um, but they're starting to be accepting of them. And I think that leads to an opportunity for uh, education, but also also growth. I think you know similar to, and I don't want to say similar because I think they have more staying power than CBD um, currently, but how you know it started off it, as, as one there. and then there are other cannabinoids that, that started to hit the market um, with limited understanding. Mushrooms is kind of this, this big umbrella right now. And I don't think most people, you know, know a f- any more than a handful of, of the uh v- varieties out there, but but they are interested in them. Uh so so their interest is very high and it's going to be something that's going to be continuing to grow. I think when we look into 24 as an area where in both supplements and functional foods, I'm expecting to see growth across the board.
0: I like that you threw CBD in there, because I do think there's a commonality that is naturally going to happen or maybe a lesson that could be learned from what happened with, with CBD is that the word mushrooms for a lot of people, you know, it's, it's this food we eat and and arguably maybe a lot of people don't even know all the varieties in which they're eating. They're just kind of like, maybe they're in dishes or this, that, or whatever. And again, that might be my bias because I don't like mushrooms to eat, but uh, you have also like the philosylum kind of thing going on with psychoactive uh, mushrooms and and i think a lot more people when you say the word functional mushrooms that's what maybe they default to similar to when people think about you know cbd they it like defaults to marijuana or cannabis or, or something like that and, and that's not correct but the consumer confusion creates adoption problems, or I guess, maybe user experience, customer kind of problems experience, for
1: the retailers, uh, yeah. to bring them in. So yeah, there's a, a lot there. of those things, like yeah. if
0: you had the idea that all of a sudden, oh, I, I see this, whatever mushrooms that I don't know the name of them, if it's, uh, you know, cordyceps, or this, that like, none, that has nothing to do with what you think it is, you're like, oh, maybe this is going to give me some effect. Oh, it didn't give that to me in the sense of what I was expecting. So then this product didn't work, but it was more from a breakdown of what exactly it was or the understanding of it, which I think a lot of the same stuff happened with CBD. There was a breakdown of what the expectations were. And obviously CBD has its own you know, kind of issues with regulatory things and all that. But I think when you brought up that point, I was I was thinking about more the customer or, or consumer confusion piece of it, because I do think. Yeah. Uh, I know when i I kind of mention that to just people that are well outside the industry or anything that that that's the first thing they typically think about. you know, they're like, oh, okay, like that's what functional mushrooms mean to them, uh, which is going to be something that the category as a whole needs to overcome and and again, I think that we're talking about a very old idea here, um you know this this food is medicine approach, um you know this idea that, These things have been around for a long time, but we've been in this, you know, shroom boom or whatever people have have kind of dubbed this for a long time, or at least it feels like a long time for us that I think are always on the bleeding edge, but now it's starting to be super mainstream, but then it gets into all of these, I guess, even well-known ones. What do they all do? They all kind of have different functional benefits. And then the second wave or the third wave, you know, how are they going to pick up in terms of some of these adoptions of products, you know, which formats are they going to be best in? Um, These things typically, from my experience, and I'm sure your guys' data probably supports this, is that a lot of these things start up in the natural channel, and then we're finally starting to see some of it bleed out into more of the mainstream channel. So it's going to be an interesting couple of years, I think, as some of these next wave of functional mushrooms start to come out.
1: I think that we're going to see a lot of them blended into products that the mushroom is not as uh, called out on the label, and it's so. For example, it's going to be cognitive support products, and they're going to have lion's mane in there. And I think think that's the way that we're going to see a lot of these products, uh, at least in the next year, where they're going to be part of formulas uh, that have gained uh, that are gaining traction for specific health focus, and it's going to be less on the actual ingredient. And I think that's how. I uh, I think it's too much to expect everyone to know all the different mushrooms. People are busy in their life. It's hard for it's hard for me to know. I'm, I'm in the data all the time and I'm looking at the research. So I think that's a way that uh, by focusing on the health focus um, rather than the um, ingredient. And I think that across the board, by the way, when we talk if we talk about adaptogen herbs, for yeah. example, I think you know focusing on the health focus. Uh, is going to be the way to succeed in the next year. Uh, And just taking one step back, when we talk about gut uh, probiotics, finding that new home in brain health and and things like that, um, I think it's focusing on the the health focus and seeing some uh, groups of ingredients that people, oh, I recognize that. I didn't know it was good for this too. I think that's the way that we're going to find success. Uh, I do think lion's mane is going to be one of the ones that that booms this year. It's already doing, you know, doing well, but I think there's there's room for it to to improve a lot. So that's kind of the one. If I had to pick only one type of mushroom, that's kind of the one I'm looking for for 24.
0: Yeah, and that one is is in our wheelhouse too, uh, because yep. I think with lion's mane, that if we're looking at powdered supplements, has been in a good amount of like pre workout type supplements, uh, yep. and then. You're also seeing them start to kind of roll into energy drinks. I think when I was just at NAX, they, if it was Rockstar, had a focus line uh, that had Lion's Mane in it. And that was kind of the first, I think, big, arguably big brand that I've seen kind of throw that in there, which maybe starts a, a kind of a, a wave of, of different people experimenting into that. But again, if, if that was listed as Rockstar Energy with Lion's Mane, I don't know if that hits, but if it's rockstar energy plus focus, they go, oh, okay. You know, and I heard lion's mane is good for me. And maybe that's something that hits in there, but that is probably one of the functional mushrooms that I'm most familiar with again, because it it, it was been around for, I think a little bit longer in the sports nutrition or kind of the. You know, we're not supposed to say sports nutrition anymore, active nutrition, uh, world, but there's probably a collection, like you said, about five of them that are probably have the most, I guess, mainstreaming effect that's happening. But if we were picking a horse in the race, I probably would also pick lion's mane.
1: And that's exactly the type of, of branding and innovation I'm talking about. You know, focus, no pun intended on the health, on the health condition, health focus on that you're marketing towards and finding these ingredients that people are starting to, uh, be, get used to, get used to seeing and that, you know, hope, hopefully, hopefully will will show some benefit for them as well. And I think, you know, pairing it into a format that they're already consuming rather than having an additional product is another way to, for the ingredients to win and, and for like to differentiate themselves. Right. Uh, I don't even think that's going to be a differentiator for much longer, uh, but, You know, for now, you know, adding, adding super mushrooms to something like energy is a, is a differentiator still.
0: It's probably a good transition into comment I made recently around even the idea that like the word nootropic, we use the word nootropic a lot but it's like a jargon. Uh, I don't know if people, a lot of people understand what that means, even though we're saying nootropics are going to be this next big thing or next big wave. And, and it goes into this idea of like, okay, what is that effect? And again, maybe it's focus. Um, but this rolls into this idea of like cognitive health and where that's kind of moving. And there's an element as a personal consumption of these products that I can't sometimes detach them when my brain thinks about cognitive health, and then energy drinks. And I and I know these things are completely different and caffeine and things. Are, we're, we're talking about different things here. But in my mind, when I'm thinking about me in the position that I'm in in my life, I'm not in the last third of my life, hopefully. I mean, knock on wood that nothing happens. But I don't, I'm not thinking about that side of the space a lot of times. I'm thinking about, I'm trying to live a more kind of high performance lifestyle. I'm trying to make sure that I kind of either eliminate some stress and anxiety and, and, and making sure my cognitive function is high or my brain energy is high and those types of things. That's how I think of the category, at least initially, because again, that's something that mirrors me and probably similar to you. But that's the I guess the evolution of where things have went. I think the first wave was really around that last third, anti-aging, you know, trying to minimize the effects of things like that. Uh, So I found this category as a whole to be like super interesting because it is going through this kind of duality uh, right now.
1: It's a great point. I am like, as obviously, you know, as a personal consumer, most of my most of my and I I was going to say focus. I don't want to say focus again. And I was going to say attention. I guess I can't avoid making kind of a a pun (laughs) here, Uh, but. It, it's around kind of that short term, like you said, help me focus, help me perform better during the day at work. Uh, but I do want to say, I think the larger opportunity is with uh, the, the older generations. They are, you and me, are, we're going to take a few of these products regardless, right? If they have some nootropics in them, great. Um, if they didn't exist in them, we'd still probably have some sort of other energy product or something of that nature. Uh, the older generations are not really playing in this category. And so I think from a business standpoint and probably a more of a benefit standpoint, uh, if, if there's a way to shift the attention or focus again um, to uh, the older generations, I think that's the largest opportunity. You know, we've talked about creatine in that sense as well. And I think it's, it's a problem that's going to fix itself over time. Uh, but the the current people in that age group aren't as comfortable and used to taking, uh, you know, pills and powders that aren't medication, and or even like some of these drinks. They you know they think it's it's not for them. I think as people who are who grew up in this uh, with this space um, age into those, age into those brackets, I think that's a problem that fixes itself. Um, but I think from a market standpoint, you know, that's that's where I think you know, the largest growth rather than just incrementally getting a few more people, a few more percents into the uh, category, there's a whole bracket that's really untapped right now. And we talk about that from a sports nutrition, active nutrition standpoint, getting women involved. We talk about that from a beauty from within getting men involved. Um, So this is an opportunity to bring in uh, the older generation to your point, they might have started taking a Ginkgo or something like that, you know, as it was, as they thought it was necessary. But there's so many more for, more ingredients out there, uh, products uh, and formats uh, that are available now that I think uh, can hit this market in a way that would really explode the growth. Yeah, I,
0: I think that the age situation in supplements as a whole, and, and again, this is probably because supplements as a... I know i know it's been around for a while but i guess i think about supplements and how many people have taken them in, in terms of the mainstreaming and, and 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 i'm thinking beyond just the multivitamin sense like it it's not that old of a space of an industry it's it's quite new and because of that a lot of people didn't grow up thinking that these were, were products that they needed to take mm-hmm. so to your point around you know us and as we age we're going to naturally understand all of this stuff but currently it's an interesting situation because if the brand is marketing towards maybe 20 somethings or 30 somethings and it has a certain look, feel, story to it, branding, you know, wherever, they typically are not necessarily marketing to maybe somebody that's in their 60s or or something like that. Even though there is a lot of commonalities between some of the kind of baby boomers in terms of how they've evolved with health span and, and their ability to kind of do things longer. And and millennials and and there's there's maybe some opportunities there like you were mentioning around like how do you approach that because it seems like there's a you know a legacy super general health and wellness brand um that is typically creating these benign products that are everywhere and they're there and 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 people could pick them up if they're 20 or they're 70 but there's not a lot of i guess 50 plus specific ones that maybe are are speaking their language or having the storytelling there. And again, this is probably not category specific because I've seen that across the board. People are saying, we need to reinvent insurer. We need to reinvent all these types of things because then arguably they're, they, they maybe don't really align with a good cohort of that age that doesn't look at that and go, I'm not in the hospital or I'm not somebody that needs to be, you know, consuming these products that look super clinical like this i need to be taking some of these you know more fun and hip and exciting products that are speaking to me maybe that's an opportunity maybe that opportunity or that pie is is smaller than than some other ones but i feel like people are going to start to unlock that Um, i feel like people are going to start to attack that as a you know as a market that has a lot of viability to it it's not going to be me uh, because i i won't be able to be authentic to it yet <laughs> but i do think that there's probably to your point some some opportunity there and it doesn't necessarily have to be in the typical capsules powders and pills it could be something like gummies or foods or or, or beverages again this is this is kind of that evolution of the delivery formats that maybe are the most approachable or have the most ability to make an impact based on general, regular consumption behaviors. Um, I think a lot of that is still up for grabs. Like I don't think that is fully gotten out there yet. We're probably still super early innings on that.
1: And that that's exactly where I was trying to get to. If you could have something like an insure format, uh, you know, that's, hey, drink, this is your, your brain health um, for that generation. It's a lot more approachable than, than some of the other uh, formats that we're talking about. And then also, would like to give one quick plug, we are going to be releasing some of our trend spins trend predictions for 24, uh, probably uh, in the next few months. And one of the ones that I'm really excited about is this idea of health span um, over lifespan. And that's, Big, you know, you see all the longevity talk, Uh, brain health obviously plays a big role in that. And so the different ways that people, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, uh, in in those age brackets are thinking about remaining active, remaining sharp, uh, both physically and mentally, there's this opportunity for uh, a lot of these products and brands and ingredients to really speak to those people. And again, get... A massive influx of people into a category, uh, and that's really an opportunity, to, uh, opportunity to boom uh, as we look at next year and the, the following few years.
0: You're always welcome to plug things over here. <laughs> I uh, I think most of my audience loves what Spins does and, and enjoys the different things that both you and your team kind of put out together on on a lot of these things. So. I'm excited to see which ones of those. And, and um, maybe some will align with my end year end, maybe not. But um, I know we probably are gonna do at least the sports and active nutrition space, probably do another that State of the Union um, next quarter. So people will have to kind of be on a cliffhanger and wait to see what our kind of next 2024 trends are gonna be for the uh, category and kind of see where all that goes. But Scott, as always, I appreciate all the insights, the time. Um, This was great as always. I hope people also enjoyed this as well. If anybody has any, I guess, ideas for future episodes as categories that you're interested in or things that maybe we breezed over because we have blind spots like any other human, let us know below. It's not going to hurt our feelings.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks so much, Josh. Always a pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on.